right, so yeah, we're recording now. But we were just discussing how 2010, let's just say to the present, is the golden age of Cage. Yeah, well, there's so much, so much good <laughs> stuff in there. Uh, let's Absolutely see. his finest work. Like, mm -hmm. uh, Looking Glass, oh, uh, yeah. Masterpiece. Hey uh, the Ghost. Oh, oh Hey the Ghost is a good one. That That's a good one. Spooky. That was very spooky. I got uh, scared a lot while watching it. Yeah, yeah. he was like grabbing I mean, the edges of his chair. He was so terrified. Mm. Yeah, I actually, after that movie, don't even have an edge to my chair anymore. I just <laughs> I ripped it right That's off. That's right. That's right. Um, how do we start the show, Ashley? <laughs> this is Cage Off. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Cage Off, a Nicolas Cage podcast dedicated to finally answering the question, what is the best Nicolas Cage film? And what is the best Nicolas Cage film? You can find us on Twitter and let us know at Cage Off Podcast. And you can also send us an email at cageoffpodcast at gmail.com. Um, today, we have two special guests. Uh, yes. Do you want to introduce them? When we started this podcast, you know, <laughs> we looked around, saw there were approximately 841 other <laughs> Nicolas Cage podcasts. But we said, we're going to be different. We're going to have a gimmick where we have like a bracket situation and have the movies versus each other each episode, right? That this was our reasoning, correct? Yeah. And it turns out, yeah, um, there was another podcast doing that, and we have them here today. We have <laughs> Jess and Mike from Cage Fight on. How's it going, guys? Good. Uh, we also have our lawyers here. Uh, Shit. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a cease and desist uh, uh, right here that I'm going to need you to sign that you've seen this. Um, mm. But yeah, welcome. Thanks for, hey, thanks, for joining thanks. us. Thanks for having us. We're, uh, yeah. we're excited for this. Uh, I've been calling it the crossover event of the century. It's true. <laughs> it's really true. That's really accurate. So what did you guys decide? I mean, obviously, like everybody, everybody at some point in their life decides they want to start a Nicolas Cage podcast. We all um, reached that day where yeah. it's time to start a Nicolas Cage podcast. But how and... did you guys get to that point? Um, well, you know, uh, uh, some people like to use the term rock bottom. Um, yeah. And so yes. basically uh, you hit rock bottom and then you plummet down even further um and uh then here we are um <laughs> i think that that pretty much wraps it up um oh, no. in in all seriousness we were discussing ideas for a podcast and wanted to do something movie related and uh i i don't know where mike got the idea but he actually pitched it to me uh initially that we just go through every single movie that nicholas cage had done and uh, I was like, that's awesome. We can call it Cage Fight. And then from there, uh, we decided if it's going to be called Cage Fight, we have to make it some sort of fighting format. So we. Uh, right. Yeah. You go name first and then premise. <laughs> yeah. What happened with uh, us was uh, we were talking about just watching all the Nick Cage movies. Wait, 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 wait. We just, watched Face Off. We watched. I made her watch. When we first started dating, I made her watch Face Off. Um, and she, you enjoyed it so much, Ashley. I did. You were like, let's really watch like all of Nick Cage's movies in order. And I was like, okay. And I threw out as a joke, let's do like a podcast. And then you were like, let's actually do a podcast. Right. That's how the conversation basically went. 
Yeah, and then all of my friends stopped talking to me because all I talked about for like two months was Nicolas Cage. Yeah, we've heard a lot of people doing this, and this I think we can this, never. Yeah, this will make ahead. for a good group therapy sesh because uh, yeah, it's hard not to alienate the people uh, close to you when you know your personality becomes sort of uh, Nicolas Cage related, and I don't know. It's gotten to the point where the people that I haven't shaken off yet um just like tag me and Nicolas Cage stuff all day every day so um, I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody send me that history of swear words uh <laughs> yes <laughs> dropping Trailer. drop today on the day of this recording I have not so, watched any of it yet so we're gonna we're gonna binge all of that tonight before and I think, you go to sleep right Logan is that that's just uh, gonna happen uh yeah sure but we are gonna do an episode on it right just a bonus a bonus ode I mean probably I'm going to really enjoy watching it. I don't know if you know this, Logan, and obviously you guys don't know this because you don't know me, but I actually wrote uh, a like a college essay. Of course, everybody writes a college essay on pejoratives, right? But I wrote uh, I wrote a college essay, like 20-page pa- paper on pejoratives and the history of swear words. And like I thought it was really interesting that Nicolas Cage is doing a TV show on that. And I also wrote a paper on it. We are yeah. the same. You found your paper online probably. And uh... <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You should probably get uh, credit for that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so we asked you guys about starting your podcast, but I want to kind of go back and ask when you first back, encountered. Back. Yes, thank you. When <laughs> we first encountered, when you guys first encountered Nicolas Cage in general, this is a segment. Ashley doesn't know the name of this segment yet. I'm pitching it on the on air right now. Well, uh, <laughs> this segment is called Cage Could Happen to You. Mm. Based off the 1994 film It Could Happen to You, starring that's, Nicolas Cage, which we haven't watched yet, but yeah. I was looking through his filmography looking for a good Cage pun. Um, but yeah, when was the first time? As, you... as one does, as one does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, you land on that one and you're set. It was really the <laughs> only one that fit, weirdly. Like, you would think with how many movies he's been in there would just be tons of options but there really isn't um yeah but yeah when was the first time you guys you know encountered nick cage like first watch one of his movies were exposed to him if you will um i think uh the first movie i saw him in was uh mandy no i'm just kidding uh (laughs) i i don't know i i used to watch a lot of movies on like cable as a kid and uh gone in 60 seconds was on constantly and so I feel like that was probably the start of it because I've seen that movie like 200 times. Yeah, I think the first one I ever saw actually was probably National Treasure. At least it's the earliest I can remember seeing him because uh, I would have been like, what, uh, 10 or 11 when that movie came out. And uh, I don't know, it was a history geek. So that was yeah. right up my alley. Nice. Yeah, I definitely relate to watching the movies on TV. I remember... The Rock would be on a bunch on like TNT. Um, at one point, we actually had like the movie channels, so I could see the R-rated movies uncut. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. All very the exciting. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I definitely recall it was honestly probably The Rock. Like seeing it on like TNT or something was my first like exposure to Nick Cage. Um, I don't think I've ever asked you this, Ashley, but what was yours? Mm-hmm. Well. Uh... I went to a really sophisticated high school, um, you know, 
100, 100 people in my graduating class and my uh, my history teacher, as, as, as they are in very sophisticated high schools, uh, was a, a football coach and he didn't want to teach us anything. So he put on National Treasure um, and National Treasure, too. So I my first exposure to Nicolas Cage was a back to back um, showing of National Treasure one and two in my and- seventh grade history class. And you learned all about, correct me if I'm wrong, the Book of Secrets. Um, you haven't seen National Treasure 2, so you're just... I know it's called the Book of Secrets, though. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, Nicolas Cage kidnaps the President of the United States. That's... Uh... I do know that. That's the fame. That's the equivalent to the I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence line, from what I, I understand. Wish, I just wish it had happened in 2020 so that he could kidnap Trump. Wouldn't oh, the, this freak, this guy... Have you heard about this guy? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, don't worry about it. Just don't worry. Oh, about okay. It. Well, he just um, uh, he just won his uh, second term. Yeah, we're trying uh, to stop the steal right now. It's like a whole thing. <laughs> don't even worry about it. Um, yeah, you'll 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 hear the name. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll, I think I'll we're keep gonna an ear out for it. Hell yeah. Um, so let's go ahead. Quit all this BSing and get into our first film of the night, which. Um, I believe is G-Force. Ashley, if you want to take it away. The uh, IMDb premise for G-Force is a specially trained squad of guinea pigs is dispatched to stop a diabolical billionaire from taking over the world. Okay, so here's the thing. Logan, do you want to do you want to tell our guests what I said in the said within 10 minutes of the movie starting? Well, I would like to before we do that. Oh. Give at least a little bit of information about this movie if you're oh, okay. like me and hadn't even heard of this movie until well, it's starting a movie the, where this is what's confusing to me because I have no memory. I was 14 when this movie came out and I have no memory of it. I have no memory of seeing a trailer for it. Like I was seeing movies like in theaters in like 2008 and 2009. And you I must just have, have been sick that week. I just have no memory of a movie called G-Force existing. That's about secret agent guinea pigs. You know, Do you I, uh, at least remember it putting a, a, a group called the Black Eyed Peas on the map. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have heard of these black-eyed peas. Okay, and that's because. Um, are you talking about the legume? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. um, delicious. Yeah, yeah. really, really good with some collard greens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I actually uh, distinctly remember this movie coming out. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't go and see it, but I remembered seeing trailers for it all the time and thinking, "Wow, that looks like it's really crappy." She's um, lying. She's lying. Uh, well, I just remember at the start of the podcast seeing that in the bracket that Mike had prepared and going, "Wait, Nicholas Cage is in that movie? Isn't that the 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 guinea pig movie?" <laughs> I probably said the hamster movie, and, <laughs> and was uh, deeply upset I was going to have to watch that. But go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, I, I said in the first 10 minutes that I thought that the mole was the villain. And I you thought that, that I was super smart. I was like, man, I'm so smart. And then I talked to my sister about it right after we finished uh, watching the movie. And I was like, man, I was so I felt so good about myself. And she was like, Ashley, we saw that in theaters when we so were you children. Did see it in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I saw it in theaters when it came out, um, like, I think probably opening night. Um because I was really young when this came out. Um, this is 2009. So in 2009, I yes. was however many years old, 10 years, nine years old, 10 years old, 11, that age. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I was 14, about to turn 15 when this came out. 
Um, and yeah. Okay, so apparently everyone remembers this movie but me. <laughs> like, I legit feel like I'm going crazy when I saw that this movie, A, has like the cast it has and was like a genuine like hit at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just have no memory of it. It's so weird. It's a real Mandela um, effect uh, type of movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people remember it with like uh, snakes instead of uh, guinea pigs. That's uh, yeah. Exactly. Wait, 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 wait. I, okay, never mind. I was about to ask if that was a joke, but, but apparently, according, yeah, it was. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Yeah, he gets me with that sometimes on the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I feel like I've been keeping up, like you know, pretty pretty good this entire time. But that time, it really just kind of got me. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Just trying to gaslight everybody that I possibly can. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I want to run through like the cast of this movie we got sam rockwell tracy mm-hmm. morgan penelope cruz john uh john favreau nick cage penelope cruz is the sexy guinea pig you know you gotta yeah. have the sexy guinea pig in, oh, yeah. the guinea pig movie and <laughs> steve buscemi which who i think is the mvp of the movie he's not in it a lot but i actually oh, yeah. kind of enjoyed his character i enjoy oh, yeah. steve buscemi whenever he pops up I, uh, I feel like he's the mvp of most things he does i don't know I don't know if you've seen Zandali, but he's definitely the best part of that. <laughs> is he is he in that? He he uh, has no reason to be, and uh, they refuse to acknowledge that he's actually in it, but he is there, yeah. So this is um there are two Nick Cage reunions in this movie. At least two, I think. We have Steve Buscemi and Nick Cage uh, from from well, Con Air is what you know what we've watched that has Steve, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi's also in uh, Steve Buscemi's in uh, Wild at Heart. Um, no, he's not. Yes, he is. He's not in Wild at Heart. I, I haven't seen Wild at Heart yet. So yeah, we, I can't. We haven't watched that. I, I pretty much haven't or watched You're thinking any, of uh... Willem Dafoe, Ashley. You're thinking uh, of Willem Dafoe, which is probably, a, it is actually a. It makes <laughs> sense. It makes sense why you'd be thinking of Willem Dafoe. They're, they have oh similar. Oh my God, no, please cut that out. <laughs> They're okay. both uh, that guy with the face. No, yeah. I, know, I know the difference between Willem Dafoe <laughs> and Steve Buscemi. They're very right. different people, but they. I guess they do look like both like creepy crawly spider people. You know, they don't look they're, like... They're bug-like men, Yeah, you could say. <laughs> um, but so we have Steve Buscemi and Nick Cage from Con Air, and I guess mm-hmm. Andaly, which I didn't know. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. Um, and Penelope Cruz and Nick Cage from Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Ooh, baby. A film you like, oh, actually. Oh, yes. I actually really liked that movie, uh, but, you know... It's inexplicable, but you love it. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I mean, I really, there's something about making fascists look sexy. Oh, no. I am just. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Let's... you got to have your, your sexy, happy, singing fascists that uh, are just the life of the party, right? <laughs> yeah. Always... Precisely. And, you know, who like to have nude orgies on the beach. Um, they're not having an orgy. They're just Okay, well, they're fun. all nude on the beach for long periods. Just the women are I'm nude. Sure at some, I'm sure at some point they had an orgy. Logan, mm. come on. And uh, yeah, Nicolas Cage nails the Italian accent. Uh, He's so, so good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Five stars Mama all around. Mia. He's almost as good at Penelope. his, at his uh, Italian accent as he is at his Southern accent. Let's talk Ooh. about how good his Southern accent is. It's so good. Oh, it's just phenomenal. Oh my God. Uh, and his uh, devotion to really capturing the, the unique accent of New Orleans in many of his films is really uh, quite, uh, quite astounding, I think. 
Yeah, yeah his, his career as a I would whole, say he's committed really... to it, but is he? But does he really? Is he really committed to it? Is the question. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, his whole career really is an homage to uh, the Big Easy, uh, as I like to call it. So, G Force. It's about guinea pigs. Um, I guess we should go through the the plot of this thing. Um, So it opens with Zach Galifianakis briefing uh, Darwin. Okay, yeah. So Logan, first off, Logan was like, there's no intro. They're just going to introduce the guinea pigs, like being agents right off the get-go. It's within the first like 30 seconds of the movie. I'm not... I just think it would be good if there was at least a scene of like Zach Galifianakis getting like a mission briefing and he's like, I have just the team for this job. And then you do like a comedic reveal of the guinea pigs. Like that just makes sense to me on like a screenwriting level, you know? I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have, I actually, if we want to just kind of, broadly talk about what we think of this movie i think it's actually like fine it's like a fine like kids movie um i don't Um, know so uh g-force has a bit of a history on our podcast i'm aware i've listened to your g-force episodes i'm and i'm still not sure how much of it is a bit and how much is genuine so if you guys can kind of broadly talk about what you think of g-force well, um, I mean, a- as you said, the the premise of your podcast is to get down to the the bottom of what the best Nicolas Cage movie is, and I'm yes. you know happy to be here uh, when we find out uh, which one it is. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so so on our first episode, the our the two other hosts at the time, uh, one of the other ones was Zach, but uh, he's since. Uh, tragically passed away (laughs) he's uh, he's dead yeah um but uh at the time i voted against g-force while my other two uh, co-hosts gleefully pushed it through and then uh made a whole thing called the the g-force gang that would uh have nice little uh drops involving black eyed peas songs and uh uh, rants about how bad Captain Corelli is because I also disagreed uh, with him on that. Um, what um, was um, what did it go against in your first G Force episode? Because I don't think I I only listened I've only listened to the episodes of your podcast of movies we've already talked about, and I think I skipped through whatever you talked about going against G Force. Remember um, what movie that was? What what was it the first time? I think it was called or it was Stolen. Stolen. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah 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 yeah. The um, the movie that Taken ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then can't wait, can't wait to see that. Um, <laughs> more recently, it went up against uh, Moonstruck, and so you know it's like his two best movies. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> We're fans so, of Moonstruck here. Yeah, that got pretty heated. I'm um, still mad that Moonstruck lost to Face Off. By the way. Ooh, that's a tough matchup. Face Off yeah, won our first uh, our first our first conference. It's just a tough one to beat, you know? Yeah. Not better than Moonstruck. I don't anyway. know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you guys, I, uh, go ahead. I don't know. Or 
I, I'm about to rewatch Face Off tomorrow for our next episode, so right. uh, I haven't seen that in years. But uh, I did really love Moonstruck. That was one of my favorites uh, so far that I've seen out of all of this. And uh, I was really worried that my co-hosts were going to push G-Force through. <laughs> um, but uh, luckily, they spared me that. At a certain point, I feel like the bit has to be dropped. You know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, we need uh... to get... Yeah. My integrity was on the line with that vote. <laughs> um, and so that was actually a, a very stressful episode for me because, you know. I could hear it. I listened uh, to it yesterday. And I could hear the pain, the passion. Yeah, there was your voice uh, for G-Force. And holding the, back tears the whole time mm. because I knew uh, it's, it's basically like uh, when you go to war uh, with your best friend and you know that your best friend is going to, die because he's stupid uh mm. kind of yeah exactly yeah uh, i guess all this is to say i just wish there was a scene that introduced the guinea pigs more that's just a long a roundabout way of saying this yeah i so, mean i i agree i feel like they 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 spent so much time picking out this uh all-star cast that they forgot to get like uh an all-star writer's room uh <laughs> to boot <laughs> yeah um, so we have Zach Galifianakis briefing Darwin. Wait, wait, I did want to say something about that, about yes. the All-Star writing room. Okay, so this Go came ahead. out in 2009. And I think that at this point, Disney was just trying to like rake in some money. Uh, this is pre them getting like owning everything. Pre yeah, uh, like Tangled and Frozen <laughs> and them, you know, coming back into for marvel before they like really just decided to make every single movie that or comes they out. purchased all of our souls yeah, yeah they purchased every single thing <laughs> I think yes they, they were really hoping that for he... g-force to to kind of go off and become their own uh you know marvel cinematic universe but that didn't really pan out and so they had to buy the existing marvel cinematic universe yeah I because i mean you know guinea pig superheroes I, I still think that they should make an entire um you know section of their uh a franchise that is just animal superheroes um animal you know uh spy squads doing cool animal stuff you know kind of like yeah. Airbud, but for <laughs> giraffes or whatever i'd watch a speckle solo film i think oh absolutely mm. Yeah. Yeah. Bud, but for giraffes that's a movie i would <laughs> undoubtedly watch <laughs> there's actually if you uh watch the post credit scene um nick fury uh drafts the mvp most valuable primate um to join the team <laughs> it's it's uh nick furry <laughs> <laughs> yes he he yiffs other people into the avengers mm. <laughs> yeah so but speaking of writer's room uh, this was written by the writing team that wrote the National Treasure movies, which I didn't know until I listened to, you know, your guys' show. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So. I take back what I said. Yeah. And also, yeah, this has like a real, this is like a real movie, you know, it has like a budget of $150 million, a Disney movie produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, all the more shocking that I was not aware of its existence before this. Yeah, the uh, the the budget for this thing is really kind of astounding to me, and like that they got. Uh, I mean, 
I don't know how far we'll get into it just now or anything, but uh, there's like a big car chase sequence that is like some really well done stunt work. That is, yeah, like, it's really like genuinely something like this. It's like <laughs> genuinely like good like practical like car crashes and shit like that. I really I was... like the the uh, garbage truck with the ramps on it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they jump yeah, it. Yeah. Okay, first off, if you're an FBI agent and you're chasing a a you know guinea pig ball, you're not gonna follow the guinea pig ball up the truck. <laughs> like your first instinct is not gonna be like drive up the truck. Your first instinct is gonna be drive around the truck. So that was funny to me that you know the FBI agent was so dumb that he like drove up the ramp and like crashed his car. Well, yeah. look, he knew he was in a car chase and he had to look badass. So he had mm. to do something interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, uh, it's actually not that hard to get into the FBI. Um, pretty easy. You'll find a lot of uh, regular schmucks uh, in the FBI. So, is Zach Galifianakis yeah. in the FBI? He's like a contractor movie? for the FBI. Okay. I was unclear because, mm -hmm. like, they're trying to get their, like, budget like not cut by the FBI which makes me think they're already part of the FBI but I guess they're not I don't like, know okay so it's like a con a government contracts like they're still our inspector oh my god I don't want to get into this <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, but government God. contracts, the way that they work is that, like, uh, there's going to be whatever agency you're working with, there's going to be inspectors that go in and ensure that you still um, need to get funding, right? And so he's an independent contracted lab, right? So he does all the stuff himself. Um, it's not regulated by the FBI. The FBI doesn't make decisions based on what he does individually. Um, if it was part of the FBI, he would have had to get approval for everything that he did, right? So, like, on an agency level, he was trying to avoid bureaucracy. So, <laughs> um, I was yeah. not expecting a real answer on that, but I <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, guys. I had to. Yeah, good info to know, actually. Do yeah. poly poli side bullshit there. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense why uh, now that why we don't see like a, a scene of him trying to pitch the G force to the FBI, like, uh, hey, this is uh, this is what I'm gonna do. Can you imagine uh, like Shark Tank? Yeah. Like pigs. Uh, so Zach Galifianakis, Bruce Darwin, Sam Rockwell on the mission to infiltrate uh, the hideout or estate of Leonard Saber. Is that his name? Yeah, um, I think it's Leonard Saber. Yeah. And he's like a former arms dealer who now runs an appliance company. That's like, it's meant to be like an, like in a Steve Jobs type, you know? And so they, they have to infiltrate his like mansion where he's giving like a speech to like investors or whatever. Um, and they have to, they introduce, uh, the rest of the team during this, um, opening sequence we have, oh God, we have Tracy Morgan is blaster. Uh, he's like an explosives specialist, right? Yeah, he's the explosive guy, uh, slash, uh, horny guy slash. He's so guy. horny. The, the one-liner guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he pulls a lot of the weight. Uh, in this movie for sure yes and we have rodriguez is penelope cruz yeah am i uh, right i think it's juarez juarez oh. juarez yeah when i said yeah juarez. I meant, uh, the, yeah. the guy's like oh her, her whole thing is that she's a lady and she's hot and she yeah. loves That's fashion basically. which and she wants to be mysterious she's like uh what's that one line she does where she's like i want to 
I want to make sure that, you know, the men never know what I want, but I, they think I want them, but I don't know. They have, there's this whole subplot where like who she's into, that is just the most tedious thing in the entire movie. Absolutely. Completely tedious. It's even in the scenes, I feel like they're saying like, um, uh, to one another, like, come on, you're going to have to date one of us. I know that there is no chemistry here, but like, it's got to happen. I, I feel like they outright say that a couple of times. It's one of the other, uh, you have no other options. Uh, so well, take I mean, your pick. The world of talking guinea pigs probably is small. I mean, to be fair. That's so, true. But, yeah. Uh, they really, those two really are her only options. She's not going to date fucking speckles. Yeah. Um, which is Nick Cage. He's a mole. He's not a guinea pig. Um, so G-Force is kind of a misleading title, but it's fine. Um, it he's be, like they're... should be like G-M-Force. G-M-Force, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then they might get in trouble with like the General Motors Corporation. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that might cause a lawsuit. Yeah. But he's like their tech guy who like is... He's on the computers getting them into the the compound at the beginning he's basically like riley from national treasure but he's a mole and he's underground yes exactly it's exactly who he is um so they have this whole opening sequence where they break into his mansion there is a funny joke when sam rockwell first gets into the party where like he's in like the coat like the coat rack closet and like there's all these like like fox like fox fur jackets and he like he's like i'm in the morgue <laughs> that's like a, it was a pretty funny joke that i actually kind of i kind of liked um i think that must have flown by me okay guys i found I, this entire time i've been over here uh trying to find <laughs> trying to find the warriors the warriors quote and i found it so please please go <clears throat> ahead I don't, I don't want to do an accent because I'm not Penelope, Penelope Cruz, but yeah, men are like government. The accent. Men are like government bonds. They take too long to mature. But if you're a woman trying to make it in a man's world, you have to learn to think like like they do and keep them guessing. Isn't that right, Jess? Absolutely. She's, <laughs> and she's writing this on her on her Facebook wall. <laughs> it's gonna be which a, is a great one of those motivational quotes, like inspirational posters uh, motivational poster that's the word <laughs> that i was jumping around so since uh cage is introduced in the scene i guess we should talk about him a little bit he is doing i guess his peggy sue got married voice which is also his like army of one voice i think you guys have covered that movie right yeah, oh, yeah. Um, covered army of one that's, so uh... he's doing i a really com- liked army of one i it's... really liked it his performance is crazy in that movie. I don't think it's a very good movie. Wait, I have a question for you though, Logan. Did you like the interview? I didn't see the interview. Oh, I feel like if you liked the interview, you would like Army of One. If you if you like the interview and you hate Bin Laden, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Army of One is the one. Yeah, so he's basically doing a combination of his voice from that movie and his Peggy Sue Got Married voice. It's kind of like nasally and and yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. Besides, I, I feel like they may have also partially like pitch shifted his voice, like very slight. Yeah, um, just up a little bit. 
they they also do a thing later when he's in doing his like bad guy voice where he's like the business associate of the steve jobs guy yeah where he sounds like uh like he does at the end of mandy where he sounds like a demon where he says i'm your says i'm your god now (laughs) that's like the voice they do when they're like like, i'm the bad guy yeah yeah (laughs) Um, exactly um so what they're in the compound to do is to get the plans for this like project this project cluster storm that's like i don't know it's the disney way to say clusterfuck you know it's the really funny thing about the cluster storm thing is is that it's like supposed to be all your appliances are interconnected and it's supposed to be like this evil thing right not even talking about the appliances being weaponized um but if do any of you guys own any samsung appliances i don't personally but uh i i do think this is the uh funny thing that it actually captured about the modern age like that's mm-hmm. the part that has aged uh very well <laughs> i don't know yeah because like the... we were actually connect- interconnecting all of our devices right and so like our tvs are connected to our phones to our computers like everything is interconnected and we're being tracked everywhere we go and listen to um so. it's a very prescient film <laughs> g-force yeah now you can just be like um, alexa drone strike and it'll just happen <laughs> darwin is downloading the file for cluster storm and he realizes that it's actually a plan for like human extermination or something. And then they manage to download the file and escape. And I'm trying to remember what happens next. He's got this adorable little PDA that he runs around with in his little tiny, um, his little tiny hands. <laughs> and uh, he makes it back. And then that, that's when they pitch to Will Arnett. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because, okay, the whole like driving force of like this opening spy scene is that to avoid getting shut down, they're trying to prove themselves to be like a useful team mm-hmm. to like become a part of the FBI, right? Yeah, they all want to be cops. Uh, <laughs> they want to yeah. be guinea, <laughs> they want to be pigs. pigs is, they want to be guinea pigs. pigs is right. <laughs> all guinea pigs are bad. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at the Wikipedia plot summary of this movie, and it has the little disclaimer at the top says, this section's plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed. (laughs) And the plot summary for G-Force on Wikipedia is like 10 paragraphs long. Like long paragraphs. I'm looking at it right now. Someone who Um, uh, likes to edit Wikipedia pages and also really identified with this movie uh, is out there. And uh, my heart goes to them. You can tell tell us if it was you. It's fine. It, I mean, I've contributed. I won't lie. Um, I think I did about eight paragraphs, though. Wow. Nice. Um, yeah. Those so, last two were the rest of the G-Force gang that's out there. <laughs> exactly. There are dozens of us. So, yeah. They, wait, they, wait, wait. Logan, are you saying that you're part of the G-Force gang? I, I might be, you know? Hell yeah. I'm I'm discovering. I, I watched the movie again yesterday. And I might be part of the G-Force gang. We'll have to see what happens. Um, but they get back from their I'll mission. I'll back you up if they start to gang up on you, Jess. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm going <laughs> to need this help. Um, so they get back from their mission. And uh, the feds are there to check out what they've been doing. And Zach Galifianakis takes them on a tour of the lab. Okay, wait, wait. But Imagine. Yeah. Just close your eyes, everybody, and imagine that you are an FBI agent. 
(laughs) And you are supposed to go out and make sure that all the scientific labs that are being uh, contracted by the FBI are working properly, right? Or, you know, deserve money. And somebody like, guess what? I figured out a way to make guinea pigs talk. What would you, how would you even feel? I mean, like, honestly, like, I I would be like, what? I'd be stoked. I'd be stoked personally. I would be uh, honestly really emotional. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how else I'd feel besides that. I'd, I'd you know, probably start screaming. Uh, you know, I, I would uh, question what this lab is doing, but I, I do have to say, like finding a way to communicate with animals is nice, uh, important work. Mm-hmm. And uh, but but turning them into spies doesn't quite seem well, right. See, that's, I think that's the, the reason why we need to make we need to learn to communicate with animals is because at some point the human market's going to run out, and we need to turn these little animals into capitalists. Um, yes. You know, so um, <laughs> I mean, so. There, there's a lot of ethical quandaries at play here. Yeah. Uh, we, we're making the animals talk. We're making them work. I guess it's not really against their will because we can ask them if they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Are they asking them? I don't know. Uh, there but... is that scene where Tracy Morgan's like, I'm pretty sure this is animal cruelty, but I actually think it's good and I like it. Oh, yes. When, yes, when yes. that kid makes him do the RC car. I forgot about um, that line, which yeah. um, pretty much uh, clears everybody's slate. Um, no yeah, guilty so parties here. Free pass. It's yeah, the the makers of the film are like, you know, we are aware what the, what this looks like, but he likes it, so it's okay. <laughs> they love it. They have a purpose. We've yeah. given them a purpose. Animals don't have any other purpose on this earth but to be used by humans. Yes, that's true. And so the the FBI shows up to check out their shit. Zach Galifianakis explains the technology that allows them to speak to us, like. Is it that they can understand us, but they need the device for us to understand them? Yes. That's correct? Yeah, yeah I think that's how it okay. works. Well, okay. I mean, pretty much I think that um, I don't understand that logic either because why do, why do we are so self-centered to think that animals, I'm sorry guys that I'm going on a tangent here, but the animals can understand us, but we can't understand them. Like they know our language, but we don't because our language is so superior. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we- Yeah, they, they not only know our language, but they are familiar with our culture and customs. They're on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're on Facebook. Uh, and I'm not gonna lie, I did see Juarez on uh, Tinder, so. Wow. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait! But did you match? Um, no, I, I, I I'm just. You don't care about that kind of thing. She, like, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's, yeah, she's wife with not even. Are you? Are you a speciesist? Is that what's happening here? Uh, no, I believe everybody should uh, have uh, love except for furries. So. Oh. <laughs> so the FBI is checking out the lab. They explain the technology. And Will Arnett's like the main FBI guy. And he's basically like, you guys are crazy doing this guinea pig stuff. I'm shutting you down. I love that at the end, whenever the guinea pigs are like, turn out to be the saviors of the world. Will Arnett gets sent to Antarctica. He gets sent to Antarctica. (laughs) That is funny. Where He's like, I really value you, G-Force. It's so cold here. Can Um, I come back? (laughs) That is funny. Um, so they hatch a plan to like send the guinea pigs away in like these like 
mail tube things. So they they manage to escape and they end up how they end up at the pet store. They're they're captured by like some dude who's like on the sidewalk and takes them into the pet store to sell them. I think is what goes on. You're thinking of the uh, you're thinking of the villain from the Ant Bully. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, actually, I don't I don't remember. Uh, it just says. I, uh, the Wikipedia, blacked out a lot during this. So. Yeah, the the Wikipedia just says they find themselves in a pet carrying case bound for a pet shop. The point is they end up at the pet store and they get put in a cage with uh, this half hamster, half ferret <laughs> called uh, Bucky, and that's Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. And who's, been, who's been hoarding all the cashews? Yeah, yes. and another guinea pig named. Hurley. I'm him, by the way. If I was going to identify with any of the characters in the show, I'm definitely Bucky. I'm a total Hurley, so. I'm Hurley AF. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> Hurley is uh, John Favreau. His whole thing is that he's fat and farts a lot. Um, so he's really funny. I laugh all the time when I see him. Um, yeah, good gags there, too. Um, nothing funnier than uh, big old know, farts, poop. Stinky, stinky farts. Um, they smell bad. Poop and shit. Um, I those are two different ones for me. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And you know him, him messing up. You know him being like little hoodwinks. He gets into because he messes up. You know those mm. are also always fun to have in a kid's movie. He basically yeah. fucks up their entire plan at the end because he wanted to eat some cake. Um, and Sam Rockwell like kind of rightfully yells at him and is like, "What the hell is your problem, dude?" I think it's um, funny that the cake was still like intact at the end of the movie. Like, how did that happen? When he when he's literally dead, and the cake <laughs> brings him back to life. Yes. Oh my god. Um, a, a nice uh, fart that he. Uh, the fart is like death. He squeezes it out, and uh, suddenly he's back to normal. But... Yeah, and in regard to the cake thing, um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, fat people love food, uh, and so mm. that was. Uh, they love they, food. They love food. They can't stop eating it, eating the that food. Especially like chew. cake, especially like sweet foods that are supposed to, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So they're in this pet store and a good chunk of this movie is at the pet store. Like them just trying to come up with a way to escape. At one point, like a family comes in to like, Hurley explains like, you want to get out of here, you have to get adopted. So this family comes in um, there's this fucking psychotic teenage boy who flings Hurley across the pet store and like. I think that this is a total ripoff of Toy Story. <laughs> it's Sid for it's Sid. sure. I yeah. was just Absolutely about to say this Sid. is just Sid, but with guinea pigs instead of toys, and I'm not mad about it. I just wish that they had just made him look like Sid or like made him Sid's kid because like obviously it's G Force, so it's in the same universe, right? Like Disney yeah, yeah. movies. Well, they needed to establish that this was in the the the, the wider Pixar, cinematic universe that we're trying. Yeah, to. the Pixar yeah. universe. Um, so if they'd made this guy look like Sid or named him Sid or done some sort of like made his dad Sid, you know what I'm saying? Like mixed it in with that. That really would have made the whole film come together. At least just give him that like skull tee that uh, Sid is always wearing. Yeah. So he ends up taking home uh, Tracy Morgan, and the little girl takes home. Penelope Cruz and is like I'm gonna put makeup and pretty dresses on her why is there only one girl guinea pig by the way why did they so they could all fight over her. yeah I, that's, I that's, personally... that's her reason for existing in the movie basically 
Um, be part of a love triangle. She is, is the trophy. Uh, Can I just say that I also character. don't like the fact that the the horniest character, the character that likes danger the most, I don't like that they. Uh, of course, it's a whatever they made him a black guinea pig, but I don't like the fact that they. Uh, and he says things like they made him the most sexual one. Um, you know, considering like the, the cultural, uh, you know, the cultural background of of over sexualizing black men, they decided to make the black character the one that is oversexed. So. And he says things like faux shizzle and stuff like that. It's just uh, yeah. uh, the whole thing with the Tracy Morgan guinea pig is like sketchy at best. Yeah. Um, but the the boy ends up taking him home and the girl ends up taking Penelope Cruz home and they end up finally escaping Darwin and Hurley end up finally escaping when they catch the Steve Buscemi hamster uh hoarding is it cashews or it's macadamia like, it's, nuts it's like a mixed nuts it's all these nuts they end up oh, ends up opening a trap door at the bottom of the cage where they escape from and now darwin and hurley are on their own trying to make their way back to zach alfanax's lab they also have a fly on the team we haven't brought oh, up the yes. fly yet oh yeah uh mooch is that his name his name is mooch mooch yeah which yeah. I think we were saying we couldn't make it a GM force because of the the General Motors like a uh, possible conflict there, but maybe we can make GMF force. Mm -hmm. True, yeah. it's a little clunky. That's right. I mean, the whole yeah. team's a little clunky, so it's representative of what they're bringing. Yeah, exactly. I just don't know. Are guinea pigs just not able to do computer stuff? Is that why they chose a mole to do that? Um, did he find the mole at a at a pet store? Um, no, they explain what they explain speckles backstory later um oh what happens with speckles during this what happens to nick cage during this whole sequence is they think he dies by getting crushed by a garbage truck yeah they think he brutal. dies a horrible death um they're like oh my god he's dead um pretty and then they just let you believe too. it for a while yeah he's <laughs> he's gone from the movie for a good chunk of like the second act have you guys um, mentioned the not the cage jokes that he makes multiple times in the, in the, this film? No, yeah. When they first go to the pet store, he's like, I don't do cages. Not yeah. the cage. Don't oh. put me in the cage. Okay, hello. Then he uh, he winks at the camera. And, and I wink right back at him. I'm like, yeah. hell yeah. Um, there was a National Treasure reference somewhere in there too, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Treasure, but like a... Somebody says like the words national treasure and i mean if your brain's uh, in the right place yeah yeah um so they think nick cage is dead and they all go their separate ways and then tracy morgan ends up escaping from the evil teenage boy by stealing his rc car um first he like makes him do all these like stunts with it um and the little girl is putting like makeup and dresses on the Penelope Cruz one. They both end up escaping together uh, from their house. And Darwin and Hurley make their way back to the lab. By magic. By they just find well, they find their way. Um, and then they're reunite they're all reunited together. I don't remember specifically how that happens. Um, but it's not important. The gang's oh, yeah. back together and everything that happened in between was just uh, you know, the struggle that they had to, to endure to get there. And Speckles is dead, but that's fine. We're not going to worry about it anymore. 
Um, yeah, we should have everywhere. I think it's interesting but... that this movie goes over the span of multiple days, but Mooch lives the entire time. Is he a special fly? Well, never he's... thought of that before. He's a surveillance fly, and they I think they live around three to four days. Oh. <laughs> they have twice the lifespan of a regular fry fly. Um yeah, a regular fry has about a lifespan of a couple seconds in my up. house. Um, oh. <laughs> Were you freaking Hurley eating all the French fries? Um that's not cake. <laughs> yeah, you like cake, Hurley. Oh my god. And uh when Darwin earlier in the pet shop was explaining to Hurley who they are, he's like, we're genetically superior, genetically engineered guinea pigs trained to be bred to be special agents. And, and Hurley's when, like, no, you're just a pet store guinea pig. They're also brothers, which they discover during the pet store sequence. I think they, they determine that they're brothers because they both have the same birthmark, which I don't think is a thing with uh siblings i was also gonna say the birthmark that's on um i don't know if you guys remember but the very beginning of the movie um not hurley what's his name uh the the guinea the guinea rockwell the one yeah darwin yeah darwin so darwin had burnt his butt at the very beginning of the movie in the place where his birthmark is Uh, i didn't catch that i don't think that's meant to be anything but yeah, that's but interesting. I think, I think that, that that's what I that's what I thought of. I was like, didn't he just burn his butt there? It makes sense if he had a white spot there. He literally burned his butt at the beginning of the video. Huh. Interesting. Maybe. I keep on saying video episode. No, it's a movie. <laughs> it's a film. sketch at the beginning of it's the a sketch. Fi- it's a film. Beginning of the content. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um so when they get back to the lab finally, Zach Alphanakis explains that they're actually not genetically engineered they're just regular guinea pigs and then in the span of one scene they learn this information and then decide that they are special because they're like a family or yeah, whatever they have a quick uh existential really... crisis oh sorry no no i agree they really it really feels like that should be a thing that's resolved at the end yeah. of the movie like when they have to finally like save the day like well, no we are special but instead, they just do it in the span of no, because they one need that, pu- that push um, to go forward, right? I guess you're right. I guess it's a flawless film. <laughs> That's how um, I would describe it. Yeah, exactly. And so they're after they all get reunited. What happened? That's when like the car chase happens, right? Because the FBI is still after them, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because they're all reunited, and that's when they they bring out the the hamster ball mobile. Because Zach Galifianakis uh, shows them that special thing he'd been working on, and uh, the FBI is narrowing them down. Yeah, and then a, a car chase ensues because uh, they're still trying to stop Saber. Um, and as we you know mentioned before, it's actually like not a horrible car chase. Like the car chase itself is whatever, but like they have practical crashes. There's a. It's a lot better than yeah, you would expect for a movie like this, like right. especially like a, a kids movie, even too, like ostensibly um, about mm-hmm. animated hamsters. I don't know, uh, or guinea pigs. My God, how am I messing that up? Still, I correct other people for that now. <laughs> they talk about and there's also a part where Fortuna plays over one of the car crashes, which is just like wild, and I was like so thrown off by that. 
but you were they, turned they off by that. Up, oh man, I was. No, I was. No, <laughs> I was not turned off. I was. I was uh, thrown off by it. Before that, he was majorly if turned on. But that I was turned on by it, actually. Um, but they they end up escaping the FBI, and they end up back at Saber's lair. The same. It's not Saber's lair because uh, I guess the twist is that Saber doesn't actually know what's going on with like the whole extermination thing. He just thinks that it's all the appliances being connected. Yeah. Um, and it was Speckles all along who bum, had bum, the actual bum. plan to, as you called at the beginning of the film, he was the bad guy all along. Um, Darwin finds him. I just want to say, I really his, like his reasoning. He has like a surprisingly like dark, like backstory and like motivation. That is yeah. like interesting. The flashback. Like his fam the flashback to when his family was like killed, like when they were like digging up his home to like build a golf course. And there's like his dad, who's also voiced by Nick Cage, and is like, listen, if you ever get the if you ever get the chance to destroy humanity, you should do it, Speckles. And then like little tiny Speckles is like, Yes, Daddy. So he has that motivation. <laughs> But all Darwin really has to say to him is like, we're your family now. Okay, so I just want to point out that we've been talking for an hour now. I know, that's why we still haven't talked about trespass. That's why I'm kind of speeding through this because we need to kind of get a move on. <laughs> um, this so. is par for the course for us. So. <laughs> yeah, frankly, uh, apologies for that if we end up dragging this out. That's, no, that's it's fine. For us. Our episodes have been shorter lately, but they used to go pretty long, mm -hmm. if you remember. Like we've had episodes close to two hours before. Um, lately, they've been like an hour and like fifteen minutes. It's because uh, I get no longer coherent. Yeah, <laughs> you've been called unlistenable by uh, every reviewer. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. us mm. too. <laughs> yeah, um, our, our two reviewers. That's right. So <laughs> that was us. They, hell yeah. <laughs> so they they give Speckles motivation. And then all Darwin says is like, we're, we're actually your family now. So like, why don't you not be bad anymore? And then Speckles is like, damn, I guess you're right. Yeah. He has a change of heart. Um, at this point, at, although at this point already, there's like an evil appliance robot that's like stomping everything um, and they have to stop it. And it's during this sequence where Hurley literally dies, falls to his death or whatever. Um, and is brought back by the piece of cake we were talking about before that he loves so much. And they end up stopping the evil plan. They they convince Speckles to be good again. And then he goes to like some weird labor camp for moles. Basically, yeah. At the, at the <laughs> end of the movie, they like show that he's deprogramming all the appliances. He's like only on 178,000 more to go. Um, and then I can join back with G-Force. Yeah. Will Arnett is, uh, he's in Antarctica, as we talked about. And what's his name? Hurley's part of the team now. He's an FBI agent. He's a, he's a, he's a rookie. Oh, yeah. He's like, I got a badge and a new name. It's rookie. Um, but the badge says rookie. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's so funny. It sounds point. like, uh, he thinks it sounds like cookie because he's so hungry. Uh. So hungry and wants to eat the cookie. Yeah. 
and the film ends as all late 2000s, early 2010s animated films do with a dance sequence over the credits where all the characters dance around to like a pop song. Is oh, it Black yeah. Eyed Peas? It's, uh, it's yeah, I Got it a is. Feeling, right? Is it I Got a Feeling or is it they, they drop, oh, that's at the credits? They, they drop both those movies multiple, both those songs multiple times in the movie. Yes. Um, they shelled out big for those for the soundtrack and uh, really wanted to get their money's worth. Yeah, so. Use them up, you know? <laughs> we got to boom, boom, power our way through this thing. That's mm-hmm. right. I agree. That's what I say about life. Exactly. You know, when I'm doing anything important, I uh, I always put on the black eyed piece, you know. Yeah, it really, really brings me back like... to my center. Yeah. Boom boom yeah. powerful. Yes. Uh, that was beautiful, Jess. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Uh so that's basically G Force. I mean you know, it's got a great message about family. It's basically the original uh Fast and Furious, uh, even though it came out after Fast and Furious. I think that it's a really fresh rendition on um, 007. Um, and I oh, really, too. yeah. Right. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the movie, as we mentioned, has a budget of $150 million. Very high for, uh, I guess it makes sense. You know, it's a Disney movie. Let me see. The total gross was $292.8 million. It was number one at the box office the first weekend it was out. It replaced Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince at number one. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, all the more shocking that I had never heard of this movie um, <laughs> before this. Uh, it feels like a weird uh, delusion was... everyone's had but me. <laughs> you know you know what the suggested movies for more like this are on IMDb? What's that? Planet 51, Alvin and the Chink. The Chipmunks. It's Planet Alvin and the Chipmunks. The Squeakle. The Squeakle. Garfield. The Ant Bully. Oh. Yeah. Oh. oh yes. <laughs> you never heard of, of Plant Fifty One, Luke? No. I don't know what that Were is. you just dead in 29, 2009? I guess I wasn't seeing like animated kids movies. It was you know it's Listen, one of those Mars I was, moms. Uh... I was fourteen. I was watching serious films like freaking uh i i don't i don't have anything i was watching uh harold and kumar i was watching tarantino okay glorious bastards logan is logan's Uh, had a criterion subscription he was two years old you know like i have a subscription to the criterion channel yeah, I just said right. joke I made. I said you've had it since you were two. Okay, whatever. Not been around since I was two years old. Let's oh. be real here. Um, Speaking of Tarantino, he was actually in talks to direct this, but they couldn't get the CGI on the guinea pig feet to look uh, quite how he wanted it. So, yeah. it's a shame. It's a shame. Um, do you want to go through the the critical reception of this? film ashley yes so uh despite its uh success in the box office it only has a 22 percent tomato meter and a 39 percent audience score on rotten tomatoes uh it has a 5.1 out of 10 on imdb and has a 41 meta score um the critical consensus on uh, g-force is g-force features manic action but fails to come up with an interesting with interesting characters or an inspired plot wow um, you know, I can't really say I disagree too much. But, uh... <laughs> Not really. Like, I actually kind of enjoy this movie for what it is. 
Like it has mm-hmm. some like solid jokes, but at the end of the day, it's just kind of like a average, yeah, like Disney kids movie. I will um, say my my opinion on this movie has uh. In- Notice Michael is really silent right now when you said that. <laughs> Go on, fucking, Jeff. fucking seething. Sorry, I was just uh, I was I had to Google uh, G Force Oscar nominations. I'm not seeing anything. Um, it has to be a mistake. It has to be a mistake. Yeah, not not for animation, uh, comedy, drama. The animation is actually pretty good. They were like, only won about... one award actually, and that was uh, the ASCAP award for top top box office films. That's the only. Yeah, Yeah, so the animation actually looks pretty good. It's um, Sony Pictures Imageworks did the visual effects. Um, They've done most recently they did uh, Spider-Verse. They've done Castaway, The Polar Express, uh, Spider-Man Spider-Man I really too. liked I really liked Spider-Verse actually. Like I I watched it recently and I actually really liked it. I was surprised. It's really good. Uh so they, they they've done lots of like big movies and that the animation is like not really an issue I have with it. Like it's well animated yeah. for the most part. Um Yeah, and it hasn't it hasn't like aged uh necessarily poorly. No. Uh, it looks fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does look good. Um, I've seen movies from like two years ago that look worse. So, yeah, really. Um, so that's GeForce. Um, I think we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be discussing Trespass. Welcome back to Cage Off, guys. We're about to we're start back. talking. We're about to start talking about Trespass. We're we're here with uh, Mike and Jess from Cage Fight. We're back. Um, our next film is Trespass, a 2011 American crime thriller directed by Joel Schumacher. This was his final film before he died uh, this past June. Yeah, the late great Joey um, Shoes. I, it's kind of embarrassing, but I've not really watched that many besides the Batman movies. I've not seen much Joel Schumacher movies. I know there are like movies he's made that people love like flatliners oh. and St. Elmo's fire and shit like that. There's but something that people like... don't actually know about this film though, Logan. What's that? Um, that this is actually about the maid um, and her, her love interest that she later finds out that got locked in the closet in um, doggy dog that never got let out. This is actually about, about her and her husband. What are you talking about? You don't know I, what I'm talking about? I don't remember doggy dog at all. <laughs> what are you saying? Never mind. I was trying to talk out. talk about Joel Schumacher here. Oh, talk um, about him then. I don't have much to say about him. I just don't have as much familiarity as I probably. I've never even have. heard of him. Who is he? Somebody give me like a Saint Elmo's Fire. I see Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. He directed the Batman, Batman movies that everyone hates. That. Oh, I've seen. I've seen a couple of his movies. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, he mm-hmm. made the Phantom of the Opera with Gerard Butler. That's such a fucking good one. Um, I don't hate eight millimeter, which is the best Nicolas Cage movie. Oh yeah, I'm actually that movie looks kind of cool. I'm looking forward. I've never seen it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's it's Um, a fun one. one. Uh, It's got a it's got a great cast. It has uh, two of my favorite non Nick Cage actors in it. So it's like a real holy trinity for me. Uh, And uh, it's 
you know, it's about the underground, uh, you know, porn world, which I'm very into. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, um, he also he also uh, did a couple episodes of House of Cards. I'm trying to see what episodes he did. Hmm, let him be frank. Ah. Exactly. You know, I'm really upset uh, that I. I'm really upset that that show got canceled because somebody decided they wanted to be a shitty person. Um, Remember the the did you did you see the video that Kevin Spacey posted uh, on YouTube like in character um, that seemed like a thinly veiled threat at his accusers? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was one? like a mixture of him him and House <laughs> he, of Cards. It's and an annual him, thing yeah. now. His scary Christmas video. Yeah, his video like reminded me of like a weird crossover between House of Cards. Uh, Kevin Spacey and uh, his cameo in <laughs> in Call of Duty. Um, oh Kevin yeah, Spacey. It was like a weird crossover of that yeah. <laughs> because of his like tone and seriousness. He is terrifying. He's he a is. scary, evil man, and I'm afraid yes. just talking about him will summon him to yeah, this don't podcast say his recording. Name again. Let's not do it. Let me just give the IMDb premise for Trespass. Um, as they're held for ransom, a husband and wife's predicament grows more dire amid the discovery of betrayal and deception. So this movie was released in 2011, um, had a budget of $38.7 million. I won't reveal what the final box office total was yet, but it's not good. The only like production note I have on this is that apparently there was a weird disruption to the production where um nick cage walked off set or like dropped out of the film um because he wanted to play the lead kidnapper i guess like the ben mendelson character um i have an article from nme from august 3rd 2010 um it's a really short article so if you guys will allow me to read it in in its entirety I would like to do that. So the headline is Nicolas Cage drops out of filming for Trespass. Here we go. Nicolas Cage has dropped out filming for forthcoming movie Trespass, shooting for which had been set to begin later this month. The actor, currently in cinemas in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, was set to start filming the movie opposite Nicole Kidman. The film's script is about a husband and wife held for ransom as deception and betrayal between them is slowly uncovered, directed by Joel Schumacher. The actor's abrupt departure from the project, shooting for which was set to take place in Louisiana in mid-August, comes after a press tour for The Sorcerer's Apprentice, from which Cage apparently went AWOL in the Bahamas. Cage had reportedly insisted he play the villain character in Trespass two weeks ago, after originally being cast as the estranged husband. The Oscar winner was also in talks to play the villain role in the upcoming film The Green Hornet, starring Seth Rogen, but passed after Rogen and director Michelle Gondry rejected his idea to make the character Jamaican. Oh, what? <laughs> Wait, make his character Jamaican? Yes, I, I think that's what this is. That's what this is saying. <laughs> um, and that's that's the I'm end of the art. I'm not arc. surprised by that. That's the, that's the, <laughs> That's the end of the article. It ends like on like a, it ends on the on that bombshell about what, the green what accent his accent work. What accent have I not had the chance to master? Uh, <laughs> he's like I've mastered the southern accent. Yeah, I've he's mastered, really good at that. Um, Italian, my ancestral homeland. <laughs> Next, Jamaica. 
You saw the uh, the since banned uh, Adrian Brody uh, SNL uh, sketch where he was being Jamaican, uh, and uh, he decided that he could top it, um, even though that didn't go well for Adrian Brody. Um, but you know, it's Nicolas Cage, so why not? Ah, oh, he's insane, and I love it. Um, you never really know. You never really, never really know with this guy. I mean, that's the same thing he did, though. I'm not the reason I'm not surprised about it is because we talked about this with Peggy Sue got married, right? Um, and Peggy Sue got married. He apparently he, was a bit. Uh, he was a troublemaker on the set. Yeah, but he you know, had, good old Uncle Coppola was sitting there on the set as the director, and so he was like, "Let let little Nicky do what young, he wants to do." Little Nicky is Adam Sandler. He said, "Young Nicky." Oh, young Nicky. <laughs> yeah, let young Nicky do. What let he wants young Nicky do his weird voice. So apparently that happened. So apparently, like I I believe it because I think that. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola really did him an injustice by basically letting him do whatever the fuck he wanted for the beginning of his career, right? And now he's like, I want to be Jamaican. And uh, he left the set because of that. Not surprised. <laughs> um, well, apparently, this article is from August 3rd, 2010. Apparently, the next day he was back on set. So I don't know what the deal is with that. That's ancient history at this point. He had to pay his taxes, um, man. I guess yeah. so. It seems like he was doing a lot of posturing. Uh, trying to see how much uh, weight he pulled on set. And then when they said he couldn't be Jamaican, he, he pretty much stopped fighting. Yeah. Uh, I think 2011 was kind of a dark time for Cage because I believe he lost a ton of money in the, the 08 financial. I crisis. mean, he's really 2011 Cage is really where he's at the rock bottom career wise, where he's not in anything good. Mm-hmm. He's um he his. His star had faded by the end of the 2000s. Um, really, the swan, the 2006, 2007, it was starting to like, it was like iffy. Yeah. And then at the early part of the 2010s, he's basically just like, he's just kind of doing weird, bad movies like this. Anything and if he had been Jamaican, <laughs> if he had been Jamaican in this movie, that would have been the end of it uh, entirely. So. <laughs> Well, he was going to be Jim. He wanted to be Jamaican in the Green Hornet. Oh, the Seth right, Rogen yeah. Green Hornet movie, which he wasn't yes. in at all. Um, although I do think it would have been a good choice if he was Jamaican in this movie, just with no explanation. Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely what he was going for with his uh, character in Sonny, but uh, didn't go full Jamaican. That's right. That's right. I, so, oh my thank God, God for that. Talking about Sonny. Yeah, thank God for his character in Sonny. <laughs> Um, oh yes, awesome! It Powers is ass. so good. Yeah, it's like a gay Austin Powers. Uh, you know, I think this is the first time I've seen him as a gay character. Definitely, well, is he? Character. He's not. Is he like explicitly? He runs gay a gay brothel. Sunny? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was he's, literally. He's he was literally rubbing on a guy in in the scene. You just don't want to believe that Nicolas Cage paid a, a played a gay character. Is that what's happening here? No, I just don't think it's in the film. It's ex- in the text of the film. He's. I mean, I don't run a gay brothel. You got to be at least a little gay. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I genuinely don't give a shit. (laughs) Either way, (laughs) I just think that it's. I think it's a pretty iconic role. It's not as like iconic as like uh, Deadfall Eddie. Um, Oh yeah, but definitely iconic role by Nicolas Cage. It's um. Honestly, he was pretty much the only part of that movie I enjoyed. So (laughs) definitely needed more screen time. 
Yeah, yes. for sure. Sunny was a train wreck. Yeah, you can listen to our our last episode if you want a full rundown of uh, Nicolas Cage directorial debut, Sunny. Um, but <laughs> and, Trespass uh, also his finale is he hasn't he yeah. hasn't directed anything else. He should try again. I think he should try again. It's about time. Like the direction is like not the worst thing about that movie. Yeah, and he, I, I don't think that he needs to act anymore. I really think that that would be a good shift for him to shift into being a director and like in just a producer and just i mean i love nicholas cage but i think he needs to take some time off the screen to stop taking making bad movies he's um, making good he's making good movies again though well he thing. did make yeah mandy and color out of space recently that you're right which we haven't seen but i've heard is good Look, um if we encourage him to stop though we'll be we'll all be out of a job so <laughs> that's true no we have 95 movies to watch i think we'll be fine yeah we're not really <laughs> even close um <laughs> My kids won't eat if he stops working. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, but speaking of producer, uh, this is a Saturn Films production. Partly, you know, you get that Saturn Films logo at the beginning. You know, you're in for a a great film. Always excited um, to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is basically it's a home invasion movie. Is basically what it is. Yeah, pretty um, much. So it's got Nick Cage, uh, Nicole Kidman. Uh, ben Mendelsohn and a bunch of other people I don't really know. I know uh, Dash Mihawk because that's a fun name to say. Um, he he plays like a goon and like he's the big burly guy, the big burly robber who like is the most like violent one. Yeah. Um, he he just plays a bunch of like goons in movies, and his name is is fun. So I know I know him. Um, and there is a. Can I ask ahead. the hair yeah. report? Can we have a hair report? I just want to do it while we have guests here. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is our, you know, on and off segment where we rate his hair and uh, his in these movies um, out of 10, generally. What would you guys give Nick Cage's hair in this film? Um, I would say, uh, well, 10 what? Uh, like 10 combs? Uh, we can do is, combs. Ten, I would say ten for for me at least uh, is either uh, raising Arizona. I'm trying to give you some like ideas. Oh yeah, some context is um, like okay, I was gonna raising say, Arizona. This... Uh, yeah. What's the other one? Rumblefish. Was uh, hair so like like big? Um, Con Air is a pretty good hair movie. That's yeah. I think that's our highest hair yeah, rating Con so Air's far. Nice like you can't rating. give it not a ten. Um, um, absolutely. And then like a one would. be be uh, honestly a lot of his movies from this era where it's just like on his head <laughs> like, <laughs> not really doing anything it's yeah i think i would probably give this one like a like a four a three or a four it's it's pretty bad in this one i felt his whole look was you look very much like a ugly sleazeball um, i was gonna give it a four as well that feels right to me in this film well, I think his his hair in this movie uh, very much speaks to the fact that um, his uh, wife is in love with the pool boy and not him. Uh, well, not pool boy, but, you know, uh, same sitch. Yeah. Um, he has the hair of a pool boy. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. He's, he has the hair of a man um, whose wife is getting it somewhere else. <laughs> he literally does call himself a cuckold. In this movie, I don't yeah. know if you guys remember he's that. He's a big old cuck. Yeah, he is literally a I cuck. Don't remember that? Yeah. Um, but Ashley, what would you give his hair? 
Um, I was going to say, like, I'm kind of going the same direction as Mike is here, where I think in the context of the film, because it makes more sense in the context of the film, I'm going to give it a little bit of a higher rating. I'm going to give it a mm. six here. And also because I think the the accessories and glasses choice also adds to the to the feel. Um, yeah, so yeah the glasses definitely. Uh, and the glasses, and they're important to the film as well. Because he loses them at one point, and you can't really see without his glasses, and it yeah, he's it becomes actually an yeah. important element. I um, can't see without my glasses. Yeah, that's exactly says. what he says. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Freaking four eyes. Listen, don't. <laughs> you're outnumbered here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's why I made the joke. <laughs> um, Messed up. Yeah. Uh, so the trespass opens with Nick Cage driving to his nice house he's like he's like a jeweler like what's his job in this movie yeah i don't he describes himself as a middleman that sells diamonds from one person to another i, I really says don't that understand he's a fast talking businessman and diamond dealer is what the uh, wikipedia trespass yeah so basically at... he rips the the diamonds from the hands of the African children, uh, and then sells right. them to your uh, Zales, uh, Jared. And, and Jared, yeah, yeah. So I he... heard that. I heard that. You know, he really wanted to talk uh, to somebody about, you know, what, what it's like to be uh, that kind of gutless uh, scumball. And so he talked to Leonardo DiCaprio, um, you know, the star of Blood Diamond, and they had a really in-depth conversation about what it means to to really. You know, rip the jewels out of small children. Wait, I've never seen Blood Diamond. Is he like is Leo like the villain of that movie where he's like pro Blood Diamond? Or is he like um, I know he's like the no, good guy no, he's ostensibly. The good guy. But that was oh, yeah. He was All I really remember him. about Blood Diamond is that uh uh Leonardo DiCaprio's uh accent in that movie will really give Nicolas Cage uh a run for his money any day of the week. Um yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh not accent, I guess, but just Nick Cage's voice in this movie. It's really weird because it fluctuates between regular Nick Cage voice, but he'll occasionally go into like the nasal thing he does, like in yeah. G Force and Army of One and whatever, like we talked about before. Like I'm when he's really I'm not the only one who picked up. On yeah, it. when he's like really stressed that. out and like yelling, that's when he like he starts his voice starts going like this. Um, I don't know. Did you did you guys pick up on that at all? I know Jess, you did. I feel like um, I, I guess I I didn't specifically pick up on that, but now that you mention it, um, the more stressed out he gets, um, he gets like closer to like a Bob Dylan voice. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, like Bob Dylan voice. Um, yeah, yeah, he's um, it, it's whenever he's stressed out and. I feel like in this movie at moments he almost gets into like that that famous freak out mode uh when he's yelling back at them and he, he you see like the beginning of it uh but uh not quite. He never yeah. goes never goes all the way in this movie. Yeah. yeah if you um, watch closely you can see the reflection of Joel Schumacher kind of uh waving his arms and telling him to stop as soon as he gets too ecstatic. That's right. Um so he's driving home. He's talking on the phone to some client of some kind. Um, his wife, Nicole Kidman's at the house uh, cooking dinner in the kitchen or doing no having an argument with their daughter about going to a party. 
I gotta case. say that I'm sorry to, no, go to ahead. cut you please, off, but please. Nicole's pres uh, Nicole Kidman's presence in this movie is the most baffling thing for me because she's like a good actor. <laughs> she, she's incredible, and like the before we watched this movie uh, the first time for our podcast, I had no idea that Nicolas Cage had like been in a movie with Nicole Kidman and you know that recently either mm. and. Uh, I I just I don't Nicolas Cage I see being in this movie Nicole Kidman uh really puzzles me. Well, I think um she's worked with Joel Schumacher before because she's in Batman Forever. Right? I think. Um, um she's in one of those Schumacher Batman movies, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um and from what I understand everything I've heard about Joel Schumacher is that actors like love him like he's a really like actors director um as they say so like actors like love working with him so i, I would imagine it's just a situation where like she just wanted to work with him again i guess and i guess nick cage did too because uh they did eight millimeter before yeah um but like i did notice a couple times uh because she's australian um she did i did catch the accent slipping sometimes for nicole kidman in this movie it's like the tiniest bit. Yeah, there's one scene where she's like, Oi, bruv, don't steal me diamonds. That's wrong. Uh, yeah. Um, like I don't know. I'm not seeing that many Nicole Kidman like performances. She's excellent as the villain in Paddington. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's probably the best thing I've seen her in. Um, I've, I've, yeah. Paddington uh, rules, eyes wide shut, five stars. I need, I still haven't seen eyes wide shut. I need to, I need to. Rep my boy. This was right in the middle of her my husband's boy. like her husband's like um rot like kind of golden days of his career. I just noticed. Well, this wait Nicole Kidman's husband's like uh, who you're Keith talking Durbin. about? Oh, Keith, Keith Urban. Yeah, yeah, it was like the pinnacle of his career. I would say like whenever he was like winning a lot of uh, CMT awards, and I remember being actually a fan of him back then. Don't judge me, um, but uh, never. Well, I, you know, live in Tennessee. You listen to a little bit of country music, anyway. So, like, this Australian is like right, country. This is right in the middle of their, um, like, in the middle of his, like, you know, up of his career. But it's also the same year that I saw Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban at a church in Nashville. Oh, oh, what was the cert? What were the circumstances of you seeing them in at the church in Nashville? Um, I grew up Catholic, well, kind of Catholic, and whenever I went to a summer camp in Nashville, um, we went to Catholic Mass um, on Sundays uh, because I didn't, there was no other church that I identified with, and, you know, we're in the South, so if, he, if you're at a summer camp, you're going to go to church on Sundays, you know, just kind of keep your views up. Anyway, that's where they go to church in Nashville. Um, it's the same Catholic church, um, and they just happen to be there because they have mm. a house in Nashville. So interesting. I mean, other than I'm not the whole, religious now, but other than the church part, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't like meet them. I just saw them. It was cool. But same year how, as this movie came out. How close were you to them? Not very. Give it, give it in meters. Have you ever been into a Catholic cathedral? No. Oh, them, them bitches are big. <laughs> them bitches are big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't very close. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's having an argument with her daughter when Nick Cage comes home. Um, cause she wants to go to this party and Nicole Kidman won't let her. 
And then she asks Nick Cage and he says no also. He's like, listen to your mother. And then she decides to go anyway. She goes to this. Because uh, her friend is like already waiting in a car outside. Uh, right. Yeah. She already has it all planned out. They live in this like super tight security, smart house type deal. Um, a lot of bleeps and bloops panels on the walls because it's 2011 um, and they have to capitalize on the fact that technology is picking up yeah this is like this is like a 2011 idea of what like technology now would look like uh where it really yeah. hasn't it looks basically the same as it did back then it's just it's just slightly more futuristic than hey, reality unless you're rich and you have uh in, you have a telephone or ipad essentially on your fridge and you have like uh connection to your phone to all your locks like people actually have that in their houses they have some, there are smart houses now um i mean like, if you don't have an ipad on your fridge how do you know what's inside of it uh yeah it's yeah. very true <laughs> so she sneaks out the daughter sneaks out goes to this party where I guess she doesn't know anyone there. It's just like her friend bringing her along. On their way there, they almost get into a wreck where there's like this curve in the road and this like phone telephone pole that they just barely miss, um, which is a setup for what happens later in the movie having to do with that telephone pole. Don't forget the phone poles there, folks. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's important that you remember this. Check out phone pole. That's right. <laughs> Um, so they go they go to the party uh, they meet the I guess the person who's hosting the party it's like this dude wearing like a, a his hood up with like a baseball cap yeah he's a douchebag he's yeah. oh I was gonna say he's really cool but okay. yeah he's Super a douchebag uh, um, which um, I I have to say this guy who's just like hey I just met you and I don't know who you are but how about I, I take go, you upstairs and show you my drugs. dad's safe yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's, he's, he's safe. It's got a hundred thousand dollars and a gun. You want some pharmaceuticals? I got coke too. <laughs> and he's so slick. He's like, "Hey, if you don't do this, you're gonna regret it for the rest of your life." <laughs> he's like, "I'm 15." Uh, <laughs> uh, so she basically is like, "This guy's weird. I'm calling a cab. I'm going home." Um, while this is happening, they get a call on their like video doorbell thing and they're like gated they're like front gate their ring their ring doorbell so i yeah. forgot the yeah yeah i forgot the brand um one of those things no. basically no i was just <laughs> it's fine uh, it wasn't actually a ring doorbell i was just i know i know i know i know what you were talking about um so they get a call on their little video doorbell thing and it's like these these cops that are like we've had a rush of break-ins we need to come in just make sure everything's all good and Nick Cage is like, oh, well, uh, all right, I guess, uh, I guess come on in. And Please, then, Mr. Officer, come save me. Yeah, I don't like the sound of these break-ins. Better let in these cops. Um, and immediately they're just like, they bust in and they're like, surprise, we're not cops. We're going to take your stuff. And they pull guns on them. This, this whole sequence is just a lot of yelling. There's a whole lot of like just yelling in this movie. People yeah, there's yelling. a lot of chaos. Yeah, it's very chaotic. Um, lots of shaky cam stuff. Um, I, I did note this movie just basically looks like a CBS procedural. Like just the way it's yeah. shot. It looks like an episode of CSI. 
Totally. Yes. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So it's lots of shaky cam stuff, just kind of handheld footage of they're getting their stuff. They're getting, they're asking where like the safe is, where's all the money, um, the diamonds. And I don't know. I guess at this point, it's basically just like it mostly takes place in this house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than the cuts to whatever the daughter's doing, yeah, uh, everything is pretty much centered inside the house, whether it's, you know, smoking crack uh, in a random bathroom or, yeah. yeah. In, in your underwear for some reason. Uh, you know, you're, you're pulling off a heist and you take a break to, you know, get comfortable and smoke a little crack. That's right. Uh, take all your clothes off, smoke crack in the bathroom, get back to your your robbery um there's a and i don't know about you guys but every time that i rob a house i always 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 go to the bathroom take all off all of my clothes and smoke Mm -hmm. crack see for me you have to do it for me personally i will i smoke the crack right before the heist because it gets Mm -hmm. me like hyped to do the you know the big the job um, yeah. the big heist job i don't know yeah. i think a, a good crack break is part of the the tradition you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i i really i really i'm with jess on this one you, you mm. gotta maybe like before and in the middle and after you know you gotta you gotta get that 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 pre right heist crack um right. yeah. and then and then you gotta take a little a little break and you gotta get nice and comfortable and naked you know well well part of her backstory um that they don't really show on screen is that her last job was at Amazon mm. uh, and so she didn't get crack breaks. Oh yeah. Uh, During this whole sequence, this whole chaotic robbery sequence, they take they take them into like the Nick Cage's office where he has like the safe and there's this whole rigmarole about how he doesn't want to open it. They're like we're going to kill you. You're going to kill your wife if you don't open it. During all this, um Nicole Kidman looks at one of the dudes and like, it's like, Oh, I recognize you. Um, this guy kind of looks like a combination of Mac and Dennis from it's always sunny. Uh, I don't really know this actor. He was in a, I, I was looking him up, but he was in twilight, Ashley. Of course. Yeah. He's a, uh, one of the vampires in twilight. I think. Did you recognize him? What's uh no, I didn't, but what was his, the actor's name? It's a very generic vampire. Uh, look. Cam Gigandet. Oh. oh shit! Yeah, he's yeah. In Twilight. He he is in Twilight. But uh-huh. he looks like a Mac, a combo of Mac and Dennis from It's Always Sunny. If you they did the DBZ fusion dance. Wait, wait. Um, so he's if you listeners get me, let me tell them who he is. Right yeah. in, in Twilight, um, mm-hmm. in the first film, um, it's he's the guy who kidnaps Bella and takes. Oh, her he's like the main villain guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And takes we recently watched all the Twilight movies. I, I did the same thing last year because um, I'm actually um, officially in love with Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give my life for him. And yeah. uh, I had never seen those movies. Um, but so is he, he's not in the baseball scene then, is he? N- he shows yeah. up at he the He shows up at the end of the baseball scene because that's when like the villains are like, hey. Yeah. When the, up, when we're the, here now. The bad guys stroll in and they're like, "Hey, yeah, yeah, stri- exactly. your strikes out or whatever." That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, 
you're out of here. <laughs> yes. They say. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's him. So Nicole Kidman recognizes him because he works for the security company that installed all their security shit. I guess when they moved into this house, I don't know. Um, and then this is a whole thing with this character. He's basically <laughs> in love with Nicole Kidman and he's like, he's, he's like some sort of mental, he has mental problems. He has like medication he doesn't take. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is, I believe this, in a, uh, our episode about trespass, we called him lover boy mostly <laughs> because uh, he's, uh, I don't know, has some sort of obsession with Nicole Kidman. Uh, there's some hint that it's some sort of psychotic delusion or something. Um, yeah. Which, not great mental health representation, but uh, hey, we'll you know, past that, but. whatever. Um, the point is, he's hot and he's hot for Nicole Kidman, which I, I understand. He's hot and he's dangerous. A, Ooh. She's a, yeah. yeah. His chest um, is tighter than Nicolas Cage's. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just trying, like, I've watched this movie two days ago and it's already mostly left my brain. So I'm trying to, like, remember the events of, like, the sequence of events in this movie. If that, okay, if that tells you anything about this film is that it's completely forgettable. Yeah. Really, yeah. the whole, like, middle portion of this movie is just kind of like a muck of events that. I can't a really lot of, put chronologically. A whole lot. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. It's it's a whole lot of nonsense. That I mean, it's like typical thriller stuff. It's like, ooh, new big thing to worry about. And then it gets resolved in this way. And like stuff that keeps kind of building tension, but isn't all that important in and of itself, you know? Yeah, yeah I prefer whenever films actually don't resolve any of the issues and they leave you wanting to die at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really opening um, themselves up for a franchise in which they answered these questions. Yeah, uh, Nick Fury shows up. And is like, <laughs> I have to talk. I have to talk to you about the trespass initiative. Yeah. Um, I'm starting uh, an Avengers uh, consisting of all the guys who have banged your wife. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's like a reverse Scott Pilgrim. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, so the next like. There's just a whole lot of fuss over whether or not he's going to open the safe for them or like how much money they have. The next big thing that happens is the daughter returns home um, and then they they get her in the mix with the whole hostage situation. And there is a very confusing part where fucking Dash Mihawk like throws her out of the house and then immediately like goes after her again. Yeah, I did not understand. I was that like, thing. why did he just let her go? The thrill <laughs> of the come... chase. I genuinely wanted to like, I didn't do this because I ultimately didn't care. I, I wanted to rewind and see like, did I miss like why he did that? Yeah, and um, there's no like hint of like where she is during that time either. Like, did she just bum around outside? Like, why not run off to the police station or something? I don't know. I have no idea. Um because I, I think like uh, Cage was saying like uh, Cage and Nicole Kidman were both saying like uh, we'll, we'll help you but first just like get our daughter out of here like uh, we don't want her involved with any of this uh, so that's when he gets really frustrated and just throws her out the door yeah but, uh, I was tracking up till then I just mm-hmm. didn't understand why he went back out to get her like a couple minutes later oh, um, yeah. but during all this they kind of the burglars like will go off on their own and have their own scenes together. Uh, ben Mendelssohn basically plays like the lead one 
who I, I think he's really good. I think he's good in this movie, honestly. Like I think he's, Ben Mendelsohn is always pretty good. He's like the one bright spot in this movie. Like he is, um, yeah, he plays a good villain, honestly. I think he does a good job at it, but it, it might have been the script. I think they, they have him like monologue too much about like telling yeah. all sorts of weird stories. So he's he's the older brother of the one who's Lover in love boy. with uh, yeah of Lover Boy exactly, and then they keep flashing back to when he was installing their security stuff, and Nicole Kidman in his mind was like making eyes at him and stuff. Um, we see later that she was like weirded out by him and not into him at all, um, and so you spend this guy a, stuff. Yeah, yeah, you spend a lot of time with like him like being tortured about how he's like menacing the woman he loves now there's a whole thing with like a syringe of drugs that will kill them if they inject it into them oh yes that how they keep I they keep threatening them with like i'm gonna stick you with this thing um what eventually happens with it is nick cage ends up in a tussle with dash mihawk and ends up sub subduing him with it somehow like it's shot so strangely that I could not tell what was happening and like how he like took that guy down when he had him in a chokehold. Yeah, it was shot really strangely. And the way it was shot, you could tell that somebody got poked with the needle, but you couldn't tell who it was. And like even as they both fell to the ground, I, I was thought like, it was passing out here. I thought it was Nick Cage. I thought he like he got him. I was like, oh yeah. shit. He got him with the That's thing. That's what they wanted you to think. I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was suspense, and then it was re resolved quickly, right? Just like Jess was saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, so it's lethal injection chemicals. And then at a certain point... At least they aren't like balls of, uh, of like poison that are supposed to be spread across the San Francisco area. <sighs> no, that rules. That's awesome. I love that. See, when you work for a company who installs security systems, you have access to these kind of things like lethal injection fluids. And uh, so they just kind of utilize that to pull off this heist. I mean, it could just be bleach. That's true. Yeah. And at a certain point, um, Ben Mendel Ben Mendelsohn says, like, we're doing this because we need money for my mom's, like, kidney transplant. And then yes. they like make a big show of like taking Nick Cage's kidney, but they don't end up doing it. Um, I think it's eventually revealed their real motivation is that they were going to sell drugs for this like drug lord guy. And they, they get robbed. And so they have to make the money back. But then at the end, it's revealed that robbery was staged and was fake all along. Am I crazy? Did I imagine this? I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know what you're saying. There was definitely some robbery that was messed up. I couldn't really follow most of the plot, to be honest. I, I'm so um... <laughs> strange. I don't. It is weird and convoluted. And there are like a million explanations. And if you stop paying attention for even like 10 seconds, like you miss another piece of information that helps you put the story together. I mean, they're all unreliable but, narrators, and I think that's probably part of the, the whole ploy, right? Yeah. Is that if you have a bunch of unreliable narrators, then you never know what the truth is. Um, and I think that's a pretty common you know, movie and, and book trope. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the Wikipedia now, because like 
I just need to consult this because I'm so confused. So shortly after being given a job to sell $180,000 worth of drugs, Elias, uh, Ben Mendelson, and Petal, uh, his girlfriend, were carjacked at gunpoint and all of their shipments were promptly stolen. Faced with threats of retribution, Elias was forced to commit a heist uh, to pay off his debt. Jonah, lover boy, who had previously seen the Miller residence, suggested it as a place to rob. So that's it. It's all just like, yeah. And then that that is later revealed to be like a trick by drug lord guy. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So they end up subduing the big guy, Dash Mihawk. Um, I'm so glad you're holding this podcast together right now, Logan, because I'm, I'm barely holding it together. <laughs> like, I, I don't remember what happened next. I'm like desperately scrolling through the Wikipedia plot okay, trying to just, remember How did this. it end? Let's just end it. How did it end? So the movie ends. They basically all get killed. All the robbers get killed and it ends up just being lover boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is he's still he's in love with Nicole Kidman and she is basically like I don't fucking like you get away from me you're weird get your weird uh, incel energy out of here <laughs> yeah. um, do we skip over I know we mentioned it but when does Nick Cage call himself a cuckold <laughs> it's during one of the many scenes where they're like yelling at him a lot yeah i want to say it's it's towards like the the three quarters of the way point where he's kind of sussed out that there's something going on between lover boy and his wife and he's like uh i'm you fuck my wife now uh (laughs) he's already been shot at this point i think because he gets shot in the leg yeah at a certain point so he's already been shot he's all been beat up he's like not having a good time yeah, so it ends up basically with like Loverboy going after them to like try to kill Nick Cage so he can be with Nicole Kidman. There's also the part where the alarm goes off and the security company calls them and then like he makes the daughter talk to the the lady on the other end of the security company be like, "Oh, I'm just having a party. It's all good." Oh, yeah. those kids, those kids. They they really like their parties. They're setting off alarms and all kinds of stuff out there. There's also this like this wing of the house that they're building that's like under construction. And that's where they like end up during the final like the final battle with like with Loverboy. Yeah. yeah. And it's revealed that the money that Nick Cage said he did not have, like he's like, I don't have any money here. I'm broke. It's all on credit is like in the walls of this like unfinished part of the house. Uh-oh. And he ends up. Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I said. Oh, interesting. Oh yes. Um, he ends <laughs> up lighting it. He ends up lighting it on fire, and he there's a nail gun, and Nick Cage nails his feet to the floor. Oh, so that's, good. That's actually pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> he ends up uh, burning to death basically, and then he's like, he grabs Nicole Kimmy. He's like, I'm taking you with me. Um, and she's like, ew, gross, get away from me. Who ends up like shooting him to death? Because he gets shot to death before he's able to like burn to death, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he gets shot with a nail gun. Is that it? Or no, he gets shot. Oh, the, it's uh I think it's Nick Cage that ends up shooting him, right? I think so, yeah. Because he's like basically yeah. dying. Nick Cage is like dying basically. He's like, like dying lost. on the ground and just 
popping one off one victory shot. Yeah. Or a couple of victory shots. Yeah. So, okay. Nick Cage shoots him in the neck, causing him to fall and is engulfed by the flames. And then Nicole Kidman carries him onto the lawn and the daughter's there and they all hug as like the cops and fire department are coming because like their whole house is on fire now. And then the daughter's like, hey, I have a bunch of cocaine from this party if we want to yeah. snort up while the ambulance is on the way. No, they got to oh. do crack. The heist is over. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. So post crack, the post heist crack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the daughter going back to the telephone pole. We set yes. it up. Now we have to pay it off. Oh, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, the, we got to pay the ghost. We have to pay yeah. the ghost. Got to pay the ghost. She's like, I know where you can get this money. This like weird, this weird guy in a hoodie showed me where all the money is at his house. Um, so let's go. Me and this uh, this crack lady, we're gonna go. The daughter's driving, and like unbuck, like reaches over and unbuckles the yes. woman's like- seatbelt. A moment before she intentionally crashes into the telephone, just like reaches over real quick and unclicks it, and the the woman doesn't even notice. Yeah, she's like, "What?" and then crashes, um, and then she ends up, I guess, walking back home, and then she's there at the end with the final showdown. Um, yeah, she gets out of the house like twice and keeps coming back. But yeah, it honestly seems pretty easy to get away from there if they really yeah. wanted to. And um, she, of course, was uh, doing pretty good after the accident because she was wearing a seatbelt, which prevents all injury. Yeah, <laughs> this movie is really about wearing your seatbelt, click it or tick it. <laughs> that's the um, moral. That's really the moral of the story. They and tried also- playing the the movie on the side of the road where those signs were, but that actually caused more accidents. So they <laughs> yeah stop that. Watch this for the first time in driver's ed, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's basically Trespass. I don't know. It, it, it's hard to summarize a movie that's basically just them yelling at each other in a house for an hour and 30 minutes. Oh, but 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 there is a critic's consensus. So, Logan, do you want to go ahead and give the uh, box office? Uh... Yeah. So... As I mentioned before, the movie movie had a budget of $38.7 million. Uh, it grossed $10.1 million. Uh, so, you know, not good. And, uh, it's kind of a shame that this was Joel Schumacher's like final movie before he died. Actually, but hey, that's... that's a... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't... returns and had a heart attack. Yeah, uh, it took a long time. It took nine years, I guess, for it to finally it get him. It was a slow heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this film had a 9% tomato meter, a 22% yeah. audience score, a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 37 meta score. Um, the critics' consensus on this film is another claustrophobic thriller that Joel Schumacher can churn on in his sleep. Trespass is nasty and aggressive, more unpleasant than entertaining. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> and can I get a drum roll from Logan? Oh. Uh- you hear that at all i don't know all right we have our next segment oh wait hold on i want to mention this this movie got a razzie award nomination for nicholas cage as worst actor um (laughs) he lost to adam sandler in jack and jill and just go with it though tough year oh yeah tough year to be the worst yeah yeah so before we go ahead and decide 
uh, which movie we'll be moving on in our bracket. We got to do the Rage Against Cage. The Rage Against Cage. This is our regular segment where Ashley will read a negative review for one of these two movies. And I, and I guess our guests, will need to decide what movie the review is for. Um, How do you want to do this? Do we want to do like, just like, if you know the answer, just like, blurt it out no, i want everybody to decide i want to I want, I want everybody to take a moment okay we can guess. like discuss it yeah okay yeah. okay go ahead go we're gonna do 10 10 reviews the oh. opening 20 minutes are enjoyable enough but then pure lameness causes the whole thing to come to pieces what do we think i feel like that's gotta be g-force because like the opening 20 minutes of trespass not a lot happens, but in the opening 20 minutes of G Force, there's already a whole spy set up and they get away and then I don't know. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of ways to describe the the middle portion of trespass, but I I feel like uh what was it? Uh uh lame pure lameness. Pure, pure lameness. lameness. Uh I don't know if that really fits trespass because it was super good. Yeah. Are we gonna go with G Force? Yeah, I think so. All right. All right. Well, it was trespass. Shit. Fuck. Fuck. I may have right. thrown us all off. All right. All right. Blame Jess. We'll come back. Laughably bad. This could go either way. This is nondescript. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaning towards trespass on this one. I was thinking the same. I wouldn't describe G Force as laughably bad. I would That's call true. it you know pleasantly mediocre yeah and it's also somewhat a comedy so uh if you're laughing at it then it's, it's good not really bad like yeah yeah exactly that's the uh, goal okay trespass it's trespass, trespass yeah. it is trespass that's correct all right that's oh, yeah. one all right uh the next one everything from the writing to the to the score to the irritatingly plain cinematography is as generic as it gets Okay, Black Eyed Peas is not generic. Say what you will. <laughs> uh, they made up of well, uh, a large portion of the score. Um, and keep in mind, it's it's two songs. It, oh, true. Yeah. I, I just have a hard time believing that a movie about, uh, you know. Listen, like, there, it's there no. Pigs is, I was just gonna say with the score. Sorry to piggyback on what you just said. Um. <laughs> We, we all know that you can't, you can't have the entire soundtrack be, you know, around one band unless uh, it is, oh my God, for some reason I'm blinking. Oh my God, guys, what? give me a second. I <laughs> messed up my joke. Is that what you're talking no, about? No, 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 no. You can't do Black Eyed Peas because then you're just basically ripping off the whole thing. I can't, I saw this band freaking concert and I don't remember their name. Smash Mouth. Oh, Smash, Smash Mouth. I ruined the joke. Cut it's that fine. Out. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning towards Trespass on this one again. Yes. Yeah, me too. Oh, no, Is it's Tres- G-Force. Fuck. Really? Ooh, damn it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we're one for three now. This is tough. Yeah. Um. All right. What's the next one? Everything from the writing to the score to the irritatingly plain. Oh, that no, we just did that one. Sorry, in utterly, in, in, <laughs> in utterly worthless and frequently unwatchable piece of work. Frequently unwatchable. Utterly worthless. 
This is I, I'm leaning G Force. I'm leaning trespass. I'm leaning Oof. trespass. As I wouldn't well. I wouldn't call anything in G Force unwatchable. This is gonna be a split either. vote. But I, I feel like there uh, there are a lot of dads out there uh, who had to watch the uh, watch G Force with their kids, who might describe it as frequently unwatchable. I don't know. All right, we need to we need to vote on this. Uh, I'm saying trespass. I'll, I'll go with you guys. Thing. I'll go with you guys. Okay. Oh man, you should have stuck to your guns, Mike, because it was G Force. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Mike is the guy who uh, researches Amazon reviews on our podcast, so I guess I should have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, trusted. Him. We probably should have deferred to him. Um, all right, what's next? Yes, it is a mess. It's a little little poem for you guys. Hmm. Now it's... I just have like no like barometer for like which movie it could be now because we've been wrong so many times. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it could go. Just wait until you hear the next one because it's really good. <laughs> I'm gonna say G Force. Um, yeah, I'm gonna also. I'll just go with G Force. Sure. It's what? trespass. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> Why did you guys go with me? <laughs> <laughs> we felt bad about going against you last time. Um. All right. What's next? Okay. <clears throat> the action scenes are much more impressive than the predictable plot. That's G Force. <laughs> that has to be G Force. Come on. There are no good action scenes in Trespass. <laughs> yeah, there really aren't any. Yeah. It has to be G-Force. Yeah. It is G-Force. Yes. All right. Oh, baby. That's two. It just, uh, it just didn't left. come together. It just didn't come together. Wait, was that it? Yeah. It just didn't come together. Oh. Um. Well, I mean, you could maybe say that about G-Force, because I feel like... Well, no, I mean, they did come together. They were a family in the end. But I, the justification for, for talking down Cage was not uh, not really there, I feel like. But um, hang on. I'm going to say Trespass. No, G-Force. Yeah, I'll, I'll say G-Force. I'm saying G-Force, yeah. It is G-Force. Yes. You scared okay, me there. Go. <laughs> Looks like it has a nugget of good idea that could be a could have led to a good movie, but this isn't it. That's trespass. Yeah, yeah I'm saying trespass. trespass. That is trespass. We're bouncing back. All right, there's two Ooh, there, left. There is a nugget of a good movie in there, and that movie was made into the Panic Room. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, a putrefying piece of genre junk. <laughs> um, I mean. I say what you will about G-Force. I don't think it really qualifies as a genre film. I don't uh, think so at all. Yeah, I'm saying Trespass. That's yeah, that's trespass. a Trespass, yeah. Yes. All right. One okay. final one. Unimaginably boring bland without much to make you excited or angry about seeing it. Uh, I'm leaning G-Force on this one. I'm going to say G-Force too. G-Force, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I, I feel like at worst... Uh, you don't like it, but don't really have anything to complain about necessarily. I don't know. Yeah. It's G-Force. Yeah, that, that was G-Force, yeah. Just good job near the end. You just really we, we bounce back. We bounce back. Bounce we got back. six right, four wrong. All right. That was Hell really yeah. a nail biter there, guys. That was close. Um, I'm shaking. I thought, I thought we were so, done for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the time has come. We have to decide which movie we'll be moving on in our bracket. 
Um, I think the best way to do this would probably be just to go around and give a brief closing argument as to which movie you think should win and why. Let's begin with our guests. Mike, let's begin with you. Oof. Well, um, you got two movies that um, are infinitely thrilling. Um, and I think both of these movies represent um, just the purest uh, uh, artistic expression. You know, like this is, this is what happens when you have an idea and it comes to fruition completely in both cases. Um, and that's why I'm voting G-Force. Excellent. Jess? Um, now, so I think I'm going to go with one that might surprise some people uh, based on my prior record on the film. But I do have to say that I think G-Force is a much more memorable film than Trespass is because Trespass literally kind of just fell out of my brain. And uh, G-Force, at least, I know I will never forget. So, as in, like, uh, at least, I'm not going to remember this movie about the damn guinea pigs. Or uh, I'm not going to forget it. But yes, G-Force. Okay. Uh, Ashley? Um, Ashley, would you... Uh... Yeah, no, it's G-Force all the way for me. There's not even a question. Um, I, I have no discussion. It, it's just an obvious choice. I mean, it, it's the only cohesive movie out of the two that we have chosen. It's the only one that actually, you know, made me not want to die while watching it. I actually pretty much enjoyed watching G-Force. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it when I was 10 years old in the theaters, and I enjoyed it when I was a 22-year-old uh, sitting on the couch, um, downing an entire bottle of wine. So mm -hmm. um, I'm That's gonna, the way to do it. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm going to go with G-Force. I mean, yeah, honestly, I was expecting this to be uh, closer than it ended up being before watching either of these movies. Um, obviously, it's already it's three people have already said G4, so that's the winner. But I'm going to have to echo everything that's been said. Um, it's just like it is an unremarkable, kind of mediocre, but entertaining at times kids movie that has like good animation and had a budget that, you know, it doesn't look like shit and it's fairly entertaining for what it is. So like, yeah, it's G-Force. G-Force has won. Congratulations, G-Force gang. You are oh, yeah. vindicated once again. I can't believe you came onto another podcast <laughs> to, to defend uh, G-Force yet again. I had to rewrite history after what happened. On there the was whole... nothing to defend. It's such a good movie. That's And that's really the whole message of the G-Force gang is that uh, <laughs> respect art um, before it's too late. So before we uh, close out on the show, I want to go ahead and review um, all of our decisions we've made so far in Zeus's Butthole because this is our final episode of this conference. Yes, before um, it will, before we wrap up and yeah. crown a winner of this conference. Which will be our next episode, um, yeah. which is the most tedious episode of all of our episodes, our wrap-up episodes. <laughs> um, so uh, I just want to go ahead and say um, that so far we've had uh, G4, sorry, Trespass versus G-Force, which is this one, um, which G-Force won. Um, we had Score to Settle versus Con Air, where Con Air won. Uh, we had Firebirds versus Sunny, where I believe Firebirds won. Sunny won. Oh, wow. Um, we gave bonus points for directing a movie to Nick Cage. I, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing about this is that I definitely. Um, I enjoyed Firebirds more, like to, to be real. But like 
I just assumed the Firebirds won because it was a better movie. Whatever. It's fine. It's not going to win against uh, Wild at Heart. Heart. Yeah, which (laughs) is our next matchup that happened. It doesn't matter. It was uh, the Cotton Club versus Wild at Heart where Wild at Heart won. And then we had Birdie versus Racing with the Moon where Birdie won. Birdie is my favorite. It's one of my top four favorite films of all time now. Um, So good. Birdie's really good. Really good. It's underrated. Um, I never hear people talk about it. They should. It's spicy. It's really I, good. We actually, I think that's our next episode that's about to come out. We covered uh, Birdie, and uh, I voted for it, but... Uh, I really well, like I, Birdie. It's good. I thought it was a good movie. It's a good movie. Um, Wait, solid. so did it lose? Well, you have to... Uh, well, listen. I mean, it's a little <laughs> bit of a spoiler, but yeah. <laughs> um, and subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so after that, or we had Peggy Sue Got Married versus The Rock. And The Rock the, won. The Rock won. We had Raising Arizona versus Captain Carolina's Mandolin. We're Raising Arizona one. And we had Mandy versus Teen Titans go to the movies. And uh, Mandy won that one. So our next episode, we're going to wrap up and we're going to find out out of the Zeus's butthole conference, who is the winner. Um, and we're super excited about that. We haven't decided. We decided our next one is not the bees. Um, yeah. So in our next conference, not the bees, we have Matt. Give, go, go through the big ones. Go through the okay. big movies. From the that. big ones are Ghost Rider. <laughs> um, the Wicker Man, uh, Valley mm-hmm. Girl, um, Treasure, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, and uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, I guess, were, are the big ones that people would know the names of. Um, and then one of my friend's personal favorites, uh, USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage. Um, so those are some of the classic film. Those are some of the ones we'll be covering in our next uh, season. I think we'll do a couple bonus episodes before then. In the meantime, Mike, Jess, thank you guys so much for coming on. Do you want to go ahead and plug? Uh, what you will well we do the it's the cage fight podcast mm-hmm. um i think we talked about that um yeah we did at the start uh so cage fight is a, a podcast that i think if you like this one you might like that as well because it has a very similar preface it's fair, you need, fair to say they're similar if you need more cage in your feed check us out yeah I know I definitely need some more Mike and Jess in my life. Um, so I'm going to start listening to your podcast, actually, because I, I love you guys. I think you guys are great. I'm very oh, flattered. The feeling is mutual. Mm-hmm. Oh, much appreciated. Really, really fun time. Uh, do you want to plug y'all's uh, Twitter or oh, yeah. uh, uh, social medias and whatnot? Cage Fight Pod on Twitter. Yes, we are. Um, uh, Cage Fight Pod cast on Patreon. Yes, we are Cage Fight Podcast on Patreon, Cage Fight Pod on Twitter. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, too, as Cage Fight Podcast. Um, You'll know when you find us because uh, it'll have two Nicolas Cage's boxing. That's uh, right. Yeah, that one. That's right. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cage Off Podcast. Send us emails at cageoffpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Mastodon, uh, my dear friend, uh, for doing our uh, intro music. And thank and, you, um, Colors Odyssey, on Twitter for our art. Twitter uh, banner art. And our actual art. It was done by me. You can follow me on Twitter at The Good Logan. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Generally Done. And you can find uh, me and my other podcast partner, Seth Seeger, at uh, BehindTheTofu.com and BehindTheTofu on Twitter. All right. Well, thank you all very much for listening and we'll see you next time when we 
crown a winner for the Zeus's Butthole Conference. It's very exciting. Oh my God. All right. Bye. Bye.